Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much where you can get a podcast. So go ahead and hit that five-star button. We really appreciate it, and it helps us be easier to find for you guys. But today... We are joined on the podcast by Bring on the Cats, JT Van Gilder. JT, how's life? It's it's going all right here. Uh, we got nice, cool weather here in mid-September, and otherwise can't complain. Yeah, I, I have no complaints about the weather this evening. It's like 60-something degrees, and it's like pretty cool outside. It's just, I'm in a sweater, but it's like a sweater weather, you know? It's, it's really yeah. nice. Jack, how's how's life with you? Life's not bad. We took the dog to the vet today, but uh, other than that, not too bad. He had a little diarrhea action going on, Ooh. but he uh, seems to be doing a little bit better. He's uh, back to being, you know, hyper and being, frankly, kind of a little shit. But yeah, that's you know, why he was at the right vet. Now I don't know yeah. if you can hear him in the background. He's yeah. barking right now just because I'm not sitting right next to him. So. Yeah. Babies will be so, babies. Uh, he's yeah, he is a baby um, for sure. But uh, anyway, yeah, he's. He's my whole life right now. <laughs> he's yeah, uh, he's our whole life right you, now. You're a dog dad. And, yep, uh, I am a dog dad. stories yeah. we talked about in the past, like a nice dog dad, like you sing to your dog. I do, yeah. I sing uh, You Are My Sunshine. Um, I sing some other stuff. You suggested in sync, and we actually went with Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. Probably more soothing. Uh, I was Kevin's more of a voice. Backstreet Boys man when I was, you know, in second grade. More than That's I was fair, yeah. I wanted the I wanted the boys. the top ramen curly blonde hair. It wouldn't have worked well, but everybody was doing it. There you go. But man, we have maybe a football game to talk about this week, <laughs> with everything coming out of both camps from the Sooners getting guys back and then Kansas State getting guys back. But then subsequently, Kleiman comes out today and says, you know, it's like he said, yeah, I think you take two steps forward and then one and a half steps back. So I think that was a country song back in the eighties. Yeah, probably. I mean. Yeah, one sounds step about forward, right. two steps back. But we do have JT here from Bring on the Cats to kind of help us understand the Cats a little bit more because we do know they're missing guys from Arkansas State, and they probably have guys available from Arkansas State that weren't there, but then guys that were playing against Arkansas State not playing. So it's kind of a mess. So he's here to help us break down stuff. So JT, I just got one of my first questions is, you know, Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma looked really, really great in his debut, uh, but there's reason to believe that his pocket presence still needs quite a bit of work considering, you know, like who they were playing. So this is hypothetical scenario because Kansas State's defensive line may not be at full strength. We're not sure who's there and who's not. So considering that an effect, would, would you consider K-State an effective pass rush? Could they really take advantage of Oklahoma and how effective do you think they could be in that game as far as disrupting Spencer Rattler's timing and everything in the pocket? Well, uh, so against Arkansas State, they got, they managed to get some pressure on the quarterback. They had three sacks, um, a couple more tackles for loss, and, and you know, they they generally did okay. They, they were fairly aggressive in that front um, in a lot of regards. They're still missing uh, arguably one of their best just pure pass rushers. Um, Khalid Duke was a, a sophomore. He played a lot as a, as a freshman. And uh, he was supposed to, you know, be in the main rotation and didn't see any action at all in the first game. Um, so he was, he was out with, 
either some sort of injury or, or COVID issue. Um, and so hopefully there's one of those guys that would get back this week. Uh, but the real issues on the defensive backfield, it doesn't matter how much pressure those guys can get up front. Um, K, I mean, defensive backs for K-State got, got eaten alive, unfortunately, by Arkansas State um, and uh, uh, Adams. Uh, they're big guys, like 6'3", 220. I mean, just humongous human and, um, and just got, got eaten up by, uh, you know, and quarterbacks that aren't, you know, they're good. They're great. I mean, um, you know, one of them was a transfer from Alabama. You don't mm-hmm. even get on the field at Alabama if you're not halfway decent. So, but they're not, they're not Spencer Rattler. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be tough to see the, uh, the rumors that I've seen is, you know, where we're really thin is, is at defensive back and uh, had to start uh, pretty much a walk-on um, safety, played pretty much the whole game. He didn't start, but he played 90% of the defensive backs or defensive snaps at, at safety. So, you know, I, we can we can get our all Big 12 defensive end, Wyatt Hubert, in the backfield, but if, you know, if there's receivers on open, then it, it's not going to matter. Rattler's going to hit them and and not take that sack. He might take a hit, but he's not going to take mm-hmm. that sack. And so we'll we'll see what what happens. Who we get back back there, but that's I'm more worried about back end than than the front end. You know, in this day and age, you never really know which position groups are going to be hit the hardest by positive tests. Although you just mentioned the defensive backfield, so that could be something to watch. But you know, you never know who's going to be the hardest hit from week to week by positive tests, contact tracing things of that nature in 2020. But as far as depth is concerned, when all things are equal, which position group can most afford to take a hit from week to week and which group can afford it the least for Kansas State? Um, overall, I'd say um, probably the defensive ends. Um, I mean, there's, there's quite a few – guys there they're they're not all the same caliber necessarily but there's some pretty good depth um across the board you know they're they're young they're guys that, that haven't been tested but there's there's definitely depth there and i feel like that's it's an area where you, you know you could shift a a you know a bigger linebacker up to defensive end and you know, put his hand down or or one of the smaller defensive tackles that you know especially in this year where the red shirt rules are are all out of the window because of the way they've done with with eligibility, you know, he's sick, uh, a freshman defensive tackle at defensive end. And normally he's not going to play because he's only, you know, 270 and he's going to get mauled around in the middle. But on the outside, you know, at least maybe he, he pushes that out. But, but I feel pretty confident in the depth, overall depth of the defensive end group. Um, but then, yeah, the defensive backfield is definitely pretty shallow, um, uh, especially the safeties. Um, like I said, we the the starter went down with an injury after the first series, and we play with a backup who is the third or fourth string at safety. Um, and then we lost our other starter right at the end of the game. He took a real nasty hit to the head and um, had to be carted off. Uh, fortunately, he was he walked out of the hospital later in the day, but it was pretty scary there for a while. So I'm not sure if he'll even be available. Um, so that's two starters. Um, and, and they were already dipping hard into the well of walk-ons. So, um, and that's just the defense. Um, when we saw some serious issues with the offensive line on the other side, and that was with guys that uh, were completely retooling the O-line this year, uh, five new starters. So, you know, even in the best of years, you know, re- five new starters on the offensive line is, a, is an issue. But in this year, when you're not sure – who's working out with who and, and which group you're going to get having five new guys plus whatever freshman, you know, guys or walk-ons or whatever is just, it's, it's going to be real rough. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, following the lost Arkansas state, what are the fans bases, current expectations moving forward in the big 12? I mean, like notably that you guys were missing several pieces to that game that you know maybe back this week or maybe not do you see the Arkansas State 
as an outlier during another weird season that K-State like underwhelms in the beginning and at the end they seem to be like a definite like a team that you actually should worry about toward the end like kind of like an Iowa State sort of deal or is there cause for concern uh, moving forward in 2020? Um, I, I think most of us have, have put it up as just kind of an aberration. Just one of those weird things. It's going to be a weird year. Um, you know, we were already behind the eight ball. We had no spring practices, no, mm. you know, fall camp was broken up by different periods of COVID and, and, uh, you know, other things. Um, whereas Arkansas state had some spring practices and they, they had that first game. I mean, it was a blowout loss to Memphis, but they had that game. Um, I heard from from several guys that you know they were dinged up more than usual because they they didn't have all that contact in the in the off season that they normally would have had. Mm. And then you go in fresh to a game, it's it's like you never got to build up those calluses, and and all of a sudden now you're you're having to you know do all the heavy lifting and and, it, and it's it's painful. So um, I'm not sure though about the future of the season because again I mean with all the uncertainty I, I would think that um, with with this much you know this many young guys going to be able to get experience this year um, I think you know this year we're already just kind of like well you know whatever if if something good happens great if not whatever you know everybody comes back next year and and but now with a ton of experience and and we'll go from there. And it may actually, um, you know, one of those those long term things where, you know, you want to build year to year, and now you get a whole a free year essentially, and to to really build those up and and get, especially for a school like K State that really relies so heavily on on getting those guys that are are maybe a bit marginal in one area or another, a bit overlooked, and then and then really building them up. Um, having that free year is going to be helpful. So, so yeah, uh, aberration, but but definitely, I think it's something they can build on through the course of the year. You know, Chris Kleiman's first season obviously went a lot better than most people expected around the country. So, how are you and other K State fans currently feeling about the direction of the program? And does a season opening loss? in a weird season like this have any impact on that view? Uh, I think, I think the vast majority of K-State fans are very comfortable with the direction of the program. Um, not just the, the on the field stuff, but, but all the things happening off the field and, and recruiting and um, things, you know, his relationship with the fans and the media that, you know, there's, there's always going to be a special place in Manhattan for Bill Snyder. Um, I mean, he's, he is the father of, of K-State football in so many ways, but at the same time, especially towards the end, he'd, he'd gotten this, you know, kind of aloofness, um, you know, and he had always been kind of standoffish with reporters and, and talking about things. And so, you know, it's, it's 2020 with, you know, people don't want to deal with that anymore, unfortunately. And, and so it's, but it's, um, it's nice to have just that, um, the openness and the honesty. Kleiman's uh, very upfront and you know what you call a real guy, and um, and and it, it it comes across just as, as super genuine. And that's that's everything we hear from you know players and and staff and and people that are that are actually in that facility day to day. It's it's not a show. It's I mean he's definitely that that same kind of person, you know, twenty four seven, and so. Yeah, fans are, are are very happy. And again, you know, looking at that that opening loss is just an aberration, um, and not really a a state of the direction of the program. It's not like we looked at uh, you know when Ron Prince was here and that first year went so well, and then the second year things went off the rails pretty quick. But the stories coming out of the locker room in in 2007 were were pretty terrible, and and the way he was treating players and stuff, and you know. Now we see in the future, you know, he's, he's had a, a pretty uh, bad rap with that, but, but we don't get those kind of things from out of the locker room of Chris, you know, for Chris Kleiman and, um, you know, even players that have, have transferred, it wasn't because they didn't like the coach. It was, you know, they didn't think they were going to get playing time or they weren't, you know, this, or they thought they were going to have a better 
you know, opportunity somewhere else. So, um, uh, you know, there's, there's always going to be those fans that are upset for some reason or another, but I, I would say probably upwards of 90% K-State fans are, are very happy with, with the current direction of the program. And as far as the program goes, they've always had a talented locket, and there's another one coming up through the high school ranks, and I noticed that Lincoln Riley has offered him, and my all my hopes go out to Kansas State not getting another locket, you know, man to destroy their defenses or destroy their special teams. But as far as skill position players at K-State right now, as far as they're concerned, who should Oklahoma fans – keep an eye on this Saturday um, if this game is played? Um, well, we'll stick with the, with the wide receivers. Uh, if he's healthy, uh, Malik Knowles can be a game changer at wide receiver. Now, he went down late. Um, he had missed a, a ball that went over his head and uh, landed kind of funny on the turf and was slow to get up. Um, rumors were that, that he missed the rest of practice um, last week and and may not be available this weekend. Um, but we do get back and, uh, true sophomore uh, Joshua Youngblood, who was K-State's lone All-American last year, um, ended up as a, you know, a returner for All-American. But still, it, it's clearly he's got speed and athleticism. Um, reminds a lot of people of, of, of Tyler Lock in a lot of ways, um, at least in terms of the speed and athleticism. Uh, he's not the, the polished route runner that Tyler was coming in to K-State, but he's got a lot of tools there. Um, the other guy is, is, a, is a true freshman, um, Deuce Vaughn, kid out of Austin, Texas. And, um, you know, he's a little undersized. He's like five, five, you know, five, 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 six, and like a buck 70. I mean, basically a tiny dude <laughs> for a football player, but um, he's lightning fast and and um quick and and he's got you know just that incredible vision to see holes that he uh you know every time he he looked he he touched the ball against Arkansas State it it looked like he was he was trying to hit a home run um you know not you know he didn't every time but there were there were a couple runs where he very nearly took it off so um of course K-State fans we we make the comparison of him to uh Darren Sproles um, another really good. Um, we do not speak his name in these parts, by the way. Right, especially two thousand three. <laughs> especially two thousand three. We don't talk right. about it. That was a great game. I was talking about. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, another, like, more what you call modern comparison would be um, like uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire played for the you know for LSU last year. Is now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, who's he's obviously a little bit bigger, but it's that same kind of. A smaller back, but fast can catch. Um, so those those will be guys to really look out for. Um, and then uh, a big transfer tight end. We had a, a grad transfer come in. Uh, name is Briley Moore. He played for uh, Northern Iowa last several years. He was uh, kind of on the NFL draft radar before he got hurt uh, before last season. Um, and so he came in. He's he caught a couple of really good passes, which is. You know, it's the first time we've had a true uh, pass-catching tight end at K-State in, I don't know, 20 years or something. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely a change out there, but it's he's he's got that that kind of um, you know skill set that that NFL scouts are really looking for at tight end and um, you know pass-catching. He can, he can block, but uh, he's definitely a, a high-quality receiver out there. You know, defensively shifting focus here, who's the key to K-State's success on Saturday? Um, you know, I want to say Wyatt Hubert, just because he's the, you know, the the star on defense. But, uh, um, you know, it'll probably be, uh, you know, come down to, to how well our, our two ultra-senior linebackers play. Um, Justin Hughes has been at K-State for the better part of a decade. And I, I'm not kidding. He's been uh, at K-State for, I believe this is his seventh year. Um, so he gray shirted um, and then was a redshirt freshman. And then he um, got hurt before the start of last season. And so 
he had got a medical red shirt. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure this is his seventh year removed from high school. Uh, but he's starting with his high school teammate who is in his fifth year, uh, Elijah Sullivan. And uh, so those two guys, um, you know, really going to be key to, to how well the defensive plays. And when, when the K-State defense played really well against Arkansas State, those two guys were, were on the field. They were flying all over. Um, when we struggled, then, you know, it was often they were, you know, getting, you know, breaths on the sideline or or they you know didn't make a you know they were out of position or something um so uh but uh but the real key may be you know whoever starts at safety uh if, you know if we get if we get the guys that are supposed to start back there should be fine if it's anybody else it could be it could be a long day and a good passing day for spencer, spencer rattler yeah that makes sense and you know, we're obviously going to find out a lot more information tomorrow afternoon as far as, you know, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday COVID testing. And then if that thing gets passed, you know, like Kleiman said, it's day to day, you know, we're essentially going to have like all of everything clenched till Friday afternoon to see what the ruling is. So, I mean, from what you here as far as rumors and players and uh, contact tracing you know JT tell me what you think like a percentage chance the game is played this Saturday I still think we're 70 80 percent chance I'm pretty positive Hmm. Um, you know I don't want to go higher just because it's you know there's still so much uncertainty but um, now if I had if I would put money on the game being played I'd say um, it'll probably get played. Uh, even last week, you know, they were, and, and Kleiman said it today at the press conference, they were waiting until Friday. And, you know, they weren't sure we were going to have a game two weeks ago until the Friday before. And I think OU is having some of the same problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it'll, it'll come down to it this week. If, you know, if Friday, if they've got enough guys that are, that can suit up, um, that have had, you know, that are healthy and eligible, then, then we'll play. And I, I, I think the goal is, you know, to get us to play this week. Now I know that, that the teams have two mutual bye weeks, um, one in October and I think one in November, you know, to, to make it up if, if necessary. It seems like the conference really wanted this game to get played, yep. uh, probably for OU's benefit. But, uh, um, but I, I'm pretty confident this game gets played. And a follow-up for that is that, I mean, people are talking about maybe guys being not necessarily busted, but just out because of contact tracing and stuff like that going on throughout this week. I mean, but are there chances, and I imagine there might be, there should be, of guys actually returning, you know, after Wednesday or Thursday and being able to practice that would help, you know, Kansas State's chances of playing? Yeah, absolutely. Um and I, you know, it, it depends on, on when their quarantine period started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it was right after, you know, the Arkansas state game or, you know, we got a whole bunch of guys back um, even that Friday before the game um, that I think most of them didn't participate, but we got a bunch of those guys back. Um, and so, you know, that, that kind of puts them out a little bit and, um, and I think we got more guys back this week. So it's just a matter of, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think, like I said, I think we'll have enough. Um, uh, my, I'm more worried about, about guys being injured than, mm-hmm. than guys that are under quarantine. Cause, cause we had a lot of guys injured, um, uh, at, during the Arkansas state game before and after, um, dealing with just, just injuries, just general football injuries related to, lack of, of preseason drills and I think that's I know clearly COVID's an issue but you know I think injuries are affecting us more than than just illness. JT who is your least favorite Jayhawk of all time? Ooh, and it doesn't necessarily ooh. have to be sports. Man um, that's tough there are so many that I don't like. Um, You know, 
I, I'm going to have to go with the general um, KU administration here, the, the athletic administration. And this goes back to when I was in school. Um, in, uh, so in 2006, we played in Lawrence. And that was the first time KU had, uh, well, that was actually the second time KU had beaten us in the last two years because they had won in 04. And that was the first time in decades that they had won or since Snyder, you know, arrived. Um, and so that was, it was Ron Prince's first year and it was cold and, and nasty that game. And uh, they kicked us out of the stadium after the game to go wait on our buses. Well, there was an accident, uh, a pretty nasty um, like, you know, people died kind of accident on their like major road in town. And it kept our, our buses from, from getting to us in the band there. And, uh, and they wouldn't let us back in the stadium. Uh, they made us stay out in this cold, dark parking lot. Um, our players got on the team bus and got back to Manhattan. We were still waiting. Uh, uh, we waited several hours uh, for our buses to finally show up. The, the team had gotten home, showered, were partying um, before we even got loaded up on our buses. Um, and the, the KU administration just left us out in the cold that, you know, whatever, you guys are on your own. And like, come on, guys, you could at least let us hang out in the stadium or something, take us, let us go into a locker room where it's not as cold. I, I mean, it was, it was brutal. JT, do you currently live in Manhattan? I live just outside Manhattan. Just outside um, of Manhattan. Good yeah. enough. So what's your go-to for food takeout in the Little Apple? Um, if, if I'm eating in town, then uh, I go to a place called So Long Saloon. Um, of course, it's a saloon, so they've got, you know, some good drinks. But uh, they have what I think are the best burgers in town and a, a wide variety of, of of burger options. They have some pretty good specials too. And they have this uh, uh, black black bean chipotle raspberry dip. It's just Interesting. magical. Sounds and, very exotic for central Kansas. Well, it's, I mean, it's, you know, chipotle raspberry sauce on cream cheese with some black beans. And, that you sounds know, it, damn good. It, it, it's, it's magical. It really is. Um, I actually haven't eaten there since uh, March, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it's definitely my my go-to. You know, when Chris Kleiman was hired, a lot of Kansas State fans seemed to have reservations about it and weren't necessarily that pumped about it. Um, as far as that section of the fan base is concerned, why do you think they felt that way at the time? Um, I know when he was initially hired, I like like right when it was coming down that that he was probably going to be the hire. Um, you know, I was I was one of those guys that was like, well, this is this is kind of crazy. You know, we're hiring this FCS guy, and when does that ever work? And and then you know, when you start looking into it, it was like, oh wow, he's you know, he's definitely been super successful. There's been other guys that have done that. I mean, Jim Trussell went to Ohio State and won a national title, and um, you know, so it's it's not you know out of the realm. Um, I think a lot of people were initially upset that they felt like um, Gene Taylor had swung and missed on um, Seth Luttrell at uh, North sure. Texas. And uh, um, now it, you know, it feels like we dodged a bullet. He's, he's not been, he had that one really good year and hasn't been so good since then. But, um, but there were, you know, a lot of big 12 ties on that staff and, and, you know, people were, were pretty, there were, there was a good, you know, vocal section of the fan base that were very jazzed about having a guy like him come in and, uh, and, and see what he could do at, at K-State. Um, so I, I think, you know, most people have, you know, they, it took them better part of the year. The win over OU last year certainly helped that, uh, you know, it was something that hadn't beaten a, a top five team. Um, K-State hadn't beaten a top five team in 13 years before that. So, uh, you know, that's a big, long stretch of Bill Snyder's tenure that he hadn't beaten a top five team. Um, and Chris Kleiman comes in and does it in his first year. Like, it's a very good OU team. I, I mean, that that game was just incredible to watch. And uh, uh, so I, they definitely warmed the fan base up pretty quick. Now, this is a question that Kamiar came up with. Who is the best locket 
of the Lockets, and why is Jordy Nelson better? Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with the recency bias and say it's Tyler. Um, but to be fair, I didn't get to watch his dad, Kevin, play in the early 90s. Um, I was young, very young then, and uh, wasn't really watching college football. And then when his uncle Aaron was there in the late 90s, I was a Missouri fan and uh, wasn't watching K-State football. And so, yeah. The man I'd was actually, a burner. I mean, he torched OU a few times. Yeah, God, yeah. Two, 2000, this people. Lockett guy, Jesus, man. Um, Real good. But, so, yeah, Tyler, I think he's got – I think he had the complete package that that speed, his uncle's speed, his dad's, you know, route running, pass catching. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see what his uh, next little brother does. Uh, Sterling is a currently a junior in high school um, in Kansas City. Uh, and now there's two more after that, too. There's, oh, there's really? There's twins after oh, that. So. That's uh that's gotta another get this kid's no, They're not Oklahoma Mormon. kids, are they? Yeah, no. Uh they well they Tyler went to, to Booker T yeah, and did, yeah. Tulsa. But they all live in Kansas City now. Oh, okay, gotcha. School, so. um, Tyler Lockett, notable Thunder fan. Uh-huh. Right. Always reps. Yeah. Um well and, and speaking of, of legacies, I, I I noticed that uh a K State legacy just picked OU in basketball. So Yes. You guys uh, stole one. Had a lot of ties I'm not very happy about that. I mean, I'd rather have one of the lockets, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the Nolan kid looks good. I mean, he's a late riser on all these rankings. So he was made a, he was christened a four star by rivals and therefore is now a four star in the 24 7 composite. So helps OU's recruiting class for sure. But I'm sorry that it came at the expense of Kansas State. (laughs) Right. Oh, but hey, that's all right. Bruce will beat Lon again, and just, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, man. no, every year it's like in his contract. To, I swear Lon to God that Lon has to lose to win to in K-State. Manhattan. It is in his so contract. damn frustrating. He, I hate it. He was it. allowed to win his first year in Norman God. in Manhattan just to throw people off the scent. That was part of the deal. Like it, no matter the season, no matter how good they are, they just can't do it, and I, I it's flustering to say the least. It was, I mean, it was maddening last year when we were just pitiful and, and still managed to beat OU in Manhattan. Like, not, I'm not sure how it happened. I was at that game and I'm not sure how it happened. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good old, good Someday. old, Lon. good Someday. old reliable. I but, love Lon. I do. Yeah, oh, another do. one final question before we go. Speaking of which, I feel like I ask whoever we're interviewing from K State this every year. But how how do you feel, and how do most Kansas State fans feel about Lon Kruger at this point in time? Uh, I think most people have, you know, moved on. I mean, he left K-State in the early, early 90s and bounced around so often. You know, they would have – I think most people would have been happy to take him back, um, especially before he went to UNLV. Um, but even after that, you know, by then he was when he got to Oklahoma, we were still riding high on on Frank Martin, and um, and so, you know, I I don't at this point I think you know most K State fans just see him as as an alumni that you know coaches OU and you know it's not like there's any animosity or anything there. Well, that's good because it's impossible to hate Lon Kruger. He's like, right. He's, he's a very guy. nice guy. Yeah. Well, and his his name is on our basketball training facility. He's he's one of the he's in the donor list for our yeah. basketball training facility. So can't hate him too much. He gave some of OU's money back yeah. to K State. He could repay you go. OU <laughs> the money he's lost. So to OU. Uh, but anyways, man, JT, it was good having you on the podcast. And really, honestly, I feel like I feel honestly a little bit more confident about this game happening on Saturday now that we've spoken in. JT, I mean, tell everybody listening to the podcast where they can find your stuff. Uh, we're over at uh, you know, Bring on the Cats. That's where most of my stuff is. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you really feel like it. Um, it's at JT, A-R-K-M-A-N. Uh, but uh, most of my stuff is is really random, and it's a lot of K-State stuff. Um, but, you know, occasionally I, I jump into other random talk, topics. So, um, but uh, yeah, the the best place is definitely bringing the cats. We got we got a lot of good stuff up there right now. 
I've always right, enjoyed guys. going over there. Real yeah. good people working over yeah. there. Big fan yeah. of John Morse. Good dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's an Okie, you know, he lives in Tulsa. He, yeah, he, so. he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's he you know, he's a reluctant Okie, but he's an Okie still. Yeah, definitely. Right. right. I was an almost he's Okie. an Okie from Muskogee, I believe, correct? Yeah, thereabouts. Uh, yeah. Pretty close. <laughs> Muskogee's not nice, so yeah, it's not really a They're the roughers, man. They're the roughers, yeah, but. The roughers, that's right. But, um, hey, guys, we're about to go to a break for our sponsors. Again, that was JT Van Gilder from Bring on the Cats. Make sure you go ahead and smash that follow button. He's a great guy and covers Wildcat sports. And, I mean, like, Wildcats are, like, the nicest people and the nicest people to tailgate with. So why wouldn't you want to follow them anyway? So It's always a pleasant experience. It really is. Of course, they, it really they is. They drink more than most fan bases. I'll say that. For sure. So go ahead and smash that follow button for him. And we'll see you guys after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys. Welcome back from the break. Jack had to head out. He had to do some doggy duty for him being a dog dad. So I'm going to solo for the rest of the podcast that gave me the keys to the car so I can do whatever I want. Sounds fun, you know? I'm just, I'm just kind of hanging out you know, Tuesday night, but I guess we just talk some football. OU versus Kansas State, supposedly, tentatively, I guess, 11 a.m. Fox, Oklahoma, as of Tuesday morning, was a 28-and-a-half point favorite. I said not to touch that line, but, guys, as soon as I talked to JT uh, from Bring on the Cats, I'm more willing to go over that line than anything else with the amount of guys Kansas State seems to not have with them replacing guys, all new five offensive linemen, guys are hurt. They're starting walk-ons. It, oh, goodness. I think Oklahoma would possibly – should, anyways. A healthy Oklahoma team that seems to be getting Anton Harrison back, seems to be getting T.J. Pledger back, seems to be getting uh, other guys back that I'm not thinking of right now. Um, it seems like they should win by four touchdowns at least. I mean, they they should cover. But – yeah, man, COVID cats. Uh, the secondary and the offensive line, like you guys heard JT and climbing earlier today, he said, you know, they're day-to-day. And he's, you know, it's kind of like last week or the week before that they're just trying to be – they're just day-to-day. They're tentative. You know, if they were to – if they, there was a game today, they would play it because that's where they are. But, you know, on the offensive line, the secondary, you heard JT specifically talk about the secondary. They are razor thin. But that's not one of the position groups that you need to have a full, you know, set of guys for. So like, here's the difference between the SEC and the Big 12. The SEC says you need 53 guys on scholarship, and the Big 12 says you need 53 guys. And that's it. They don't have to be on scholarship. However, there's more stipulations to that. You need four defensive linemen, you need one quarterback, and you do need at least seven healthy offensive linemen, okay? So Kansas State's struggling with the secondary, but that's not one of those positions that is you know that they're having the covid protocols as far as hey you need to have this many players so it has to be one of those positions of need which i'm curious which one it is i mean i think the offensive line should definitely be one of them but i think the defensive line maybe even so that one too i doubt they're having quarterback issues i don't think they are so if the game was played today or tomorrow they would play i mean climbing was said he they were they wake up anxious um you know it's it's been this ticking it's it's, it's like the spongebob gif of him just waiting at a table with coffee you know there's we're just waiting waiting on news or waiting on actually no news no news is good news so we'll see what wednesday holds and then really after that i mean it's just a waiting game for friday and you know good old dean blevins came out and said like of course climbing's been very transparent about all this about them not being able to play and good old dino comes out last night at 10 30 at night says oh sources say that they're not confident in playing a game Saturday. Well, no shit, Dean. 
that's what why they're saying they're tentative and day to day because they're not sure they're not confident duh dean that's how this works oh goodness gracious i mean like dino oh man do you guys remember and i'm just do you guys remember when he tweeted in new orleans from the balcony like he he actually like videoed a girl like topless and was like this is someone's daughter it was really weird and then he was missing from news nine for like two and a half weeks after that that was that was fun so like if the cats can't play what does this mean for football during a pandemic and honestly i don't think it means a lot considering the kansas schools are the ones that are with the issues texas is fine texas tech is fine Baylor has been wanting to play for the last two weeks. Oklahoma's fine. Oklahoma State's fine. West Virginia's fine. Uh, they're finding ways, but like Kansas State and Kansas, it seems like they're on edge every single week. And it's only been three weeks. It's two and a half weeks. And they, this, it's, the numbers are struggling. And, you know, that's, a, that's not to say Oklahoma didn't struggle in that first week, but it wasn't a wait-and-see approach every single day of, oh, my gosh, who's going to drop out? Who's going to be in contact tracing, et cetera? So, I don't think this means anything. I think with the more testing going on in the weeks subsequently after, and like the Big Ten's about to come back, the MAC actually may come back now that now that the Big Ten is back because people are going to be testing more regularly. And some of the schools that can afford it, like Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, they're going to be testing every single day. So they can catch contact tracing much faster. They can get to cases much better. So, I mean, Kansas State's coming off an, a loss to Arkansas State. But like I said to JT, they're going to be – they miss, They were missing several players in that game, first of all. And they're going to get some of those players back for the Oklahoma game. However, some of the guys that played in Ar- against Arkansas State are not going to be available to them. And, you know, uh, homecoming, hello to Oklahoma, Dahu Green, familiar name. Just kidding. He was an Arkansas State guy. Um, but, you know, it's just – I just cannot fathom, you know, because Dahu Green had a big game in their first game at Arkansas State. And it's just – it's just unbelievable that Kansas State, you know, they're in the position that they're in that we're all just like looking. It's it seems like we're on we're on like this lottery watch as far as like though what are the numbers? Where are they coming down? Because we need to know every day to see if there's gonna be a game that's played. Like what what if Wednesday? Because there's a number of players you have to meet. So it's not like they can repopulate these lists out of the total names of players maybe like as jt said they'll have guys maybe coming back if they fit that 10-day protocol but man it, it's an unreal situation that we're in you know where the nfl they're not having any positive cases the nba of course they're in a bubble so they're not having any positive cases major league baseball was a rocky at first but there's no making it work now so maybe this is the beginning of like what major league baseball has experienced as far as a little bit rocky especially for some teams and some people but for the most part pretty okay but then again these guys are not professionals or at least they're not supposed to be professionals they're supposed to be amateurs so after the whole pandemic is over the instead of is gonna have a lot bigger problems on their hands because these dudes bring in so much money and they need if the fact that they need to play structurally for the university to fund a lot of other things if they're not just cutting everything for this year it has big implications y'all it has huge implications so if this game is played, seems like several guys are back for Oklahoma. Pledger, Anton Harrison, dudes in civil, on the civil line. Civil, what is a civil line? They're not civil. The defensive line. Um, and so, like, what is something that we should be able to learn about the Sooners in this game? And it's, I think it's simply, JT mentioned it himself, that the Kansas State defensive line is pretty good. I mean, I mean Kansas State defensive line, they're usually fundamentally sound and make the right plays or make the plays that are there for them. In Oklahoma, I mean, going up against defensive linemen that are half their size in Missouri State, it's not it, – it's just – there's nothing there. There was Spencer Rattler experienced a no pass rush, and when he was sacked, it's just because he was looking for the deep bomb because he had so much success going over the middle and going along down the seams and down the sidelines that all he needed was to dump it off or throw it away, and he just – didn't he didn't get out of the pocket he was comfortable he was too comfortable in the pocket and so Kansas State and it's going to give them a different look if they're able to play you know they're going to actually be chasing after I'm not saying that Oklahoma the offensive line won't be able to handle it uh, but Oklahoma would be starting a true freshman at left tackle Anton Harrison and if this game isn't played man Anton Harrison's first game against Iowa State and you know over up there and then they come back down to play against Texas, that would be a tough, tough matchup for Anton Harrison. Definitely it would. But 
yeah, I think that the only thing we're going to be learning from this game, because Kansas State's secondary, they're, they're, man, they're in a rough spot, like JT said. And their, second, their defensive line and their front, their front six or seven, however you want to decide what, can't, what front they're running, whether it's a 4-2 or a 4-3, you know, that'll be a test for OU. I don't think Kansas State's offense should be that much of a test for Oklahoma's defense. So the only thing you're really going to be able to learn is Oklahoma's offensive line. Are they as good as they maybe are against West, uh, not West Virginia, against Missouri State? Probably not, but it's a more power five opponent, you know, on the defensive line. And so here's why the Wildcats will win. I don't, that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That, that I was, I, yeah, they're not. They simply cannot win this game. I mean, I know, I know some people are going to say, like, are you serious that you know, that this is like bad juju? There's just, I, I have, I see no way the Wildcats can win. Their offensive line is in disarray. They had no practice. Guys are hurt. They don't have a lot of weapons. They don't have a locket. Um, and they, their defense, you know, their front four, sure, great. Their defensive line is great, but heck, I mean, they're secondary in a Lincoln Riley offense, Oklahoma should put 50 on them easily. I could see this game being really disgusting. Like maybe something along the lines of 59 to 21. I could really see that. So there, there should be no way the Wildcats will win unless, and if this game is played, unless Spencer Rattler turns the ball over several times, if there's an, an untimely injury to somebody on Oklahoma's team. But even then, Oklahoma's depth is too much. Kansas State has they just they just can't. And so here's why the Sooners will win. That offensive line is going to give Spencer Rattler all day to throw. Spencer Rattler is going to have more wide receivers and tight ends, mind you, available to his disposal. Braden Willis is coming back now, and you know, good news that Lincoln Riley said today, Jason ha- Jane Hazelwood is going to be back eventually, not for the Kansas State game, but he should play sometime this season if the season is still going. But Oklahoma. T.J. Pleasure's back. They have Seth McGowan. They they have Marcus Major in the backfield. They have Mikey Henderson, uh, Jeremiah Hall, Braden Willis, Austin Stogner, Obi Obiallo should be back. Theo Weiss, Theo Howard, uh, Charleston Rambo. Just so many weapons, and especially in the Lincoln Riley offense and a offensive line that's returning everybody except Anton Harrison. Who, if you're a true freshman. And you're getting to start left tackle and Bill Beatenbow's offensive line. You better be damn good. And uh, Anton Harrison, from uh, from everything I saw late in high school, he was winning every rep. And a lot of people thought he should have been ranked a lot higher where he was than where he ended up. So, I mean, I trust them. And the Sooners should win just based upon their offense. But then you look at the defense. Oklahoma should, with the with getting guys like Roberson back, getting guys like Jordan Kelly back, along with Perry and Winfrey, and then you saw what you know guys like Laron Stokes can do and you saw what guys with Isaiah Thomas with a more a little more extended time can do you know Isaiah Thomas you don't want him starting against a you know like an Alabama or Clemson or anything you want Ronnie Perkins out there but for the time being I think Laron Stokes and I think Isaiah Thomas are good fits and then Oklahoma you might even see them line up in two four five sets just to get more speed on the field to shoot the gaps so Oklahoma has plenty of linebackers the Brian Asamoah man the guy uh, you, you just got to love Brian uh, Brian Odom in general. He's a great coach. You cannot deny that stuff. And so, like, I'm really wa- waiting to Texas game to really judge the coaching job uh, Brian Odom has done for Asamoah and Deshaun White. But, man, you cannot deny Oklahoma's defense is possibly going to take another step forward where I thought they would take a step back this year. So, who knows? But I think Oklahoma's defense should, again, look really, really good against the Kansas State offense that they don't have a lot going for them. Like, they have that small 22 guy. Uh, he reminded me a lot of Quentin Griffin, to be honest, just fast into the hole. Uh, you know, that's what she said. But, you know, there's just – I just – they don't have enough weapons to keep up with Oklahoma, especially in Norman, regardless of how many fans are there or won't be there. Who have got my eye on? Man, I've got my eye on Mims. I mean, he is fast. Lincoln Riley loves this guy, and I think he's going to have a Sterling Shepard-like freshman year. Uh, of course, it's in an odd pandemic here, but I'm excited to see him ball out. I'm excited to see what more snaps he gets, and I'm excited to see where this offense will carry him because if the offense – think about this. Sterling Shepard had a big year, and that wasn't a Josh Heupel offense. Think about, think about Denzel Mims having a Sterling Shepard year, but in a Lincoln Riley wide open offense with the number one quarterback in the country that throws darts. 
Like Spencer Rattler, this man was throwing nothing but darts. He should have only had one incompletion, guys. The other two were drops, both of which were in the end zone and hit the receivers in the hands. That bucket, that bucket he dropped it into Charleston Rambo was a beautiful pass, and Charleston Rambo just dropped it. And so I'm just excited to see what Mims can do. Denzel Mims, oh, man, he's just so, so, so good. I think I'm calling Denzel, I think I mean Marvin Mims, so that's my bad. Mims, man, too many Mims. Too many Mims in the Big 12 or formerly in the Big 12. My score prediction, yeah, I think I'll stay with that. 59 to 21, effectively covering the spread-ish. Actually, not really. No, that's 28 points. Oh, sorry, guys. Guess the push. Other notable games on this weekend, though, because it is the beginning of conference play. You've got Florida versus Ole Miss, Kentucky, Auburn, Iowa State, TCU, maybe, Texas versus Tech. You've got West Virginia versus Oklahoma State. And who, gosh, I wonder what Oklahoma State's going to, they got so much praise for almost losing to Tulsa. I wonder what they're going to look like versus the West Virginia team. And not last, or last but not certainly not least, Army versus Cincinnati. But a lot of other conference games are on. And so it'll be a good day of Saturday football regardless. But of course, it'll be a lot better if the University of Oklahoma is playing. But anyways, guys, that's going to wrap it up for me. You guys go ahead and follow us on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. There's a lot of stuff dropping there every single day. Um, you guys can follow Jack at CC Machine or Alana's personal account at J. Larry Shields. You can follow me. I'm at Kamarabi and CCM. Guys, again, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on every, like almost every single app you can have for a podcast. If you see it, if you haven't already subscribed, just please do so. We really appreciate it. For those that already do subscribe and download every single week, we appreciate you so much. Go ahead and smash the five-star button. We really appreciate your feedback and all those other things. And we'll check you guys later.